Driving circles in this city, places kept in my memories. So familiar and so far from me, I start to think about you now. Taking me back, and I start to think, can I be where I'm at, and not think of you? The infrastructure developing, will it always be the same to me in the city? In the city I'm going places used to be Every day spent with you next to me In the city In the city You know me so well Oh, oh, oh We went swimming And the sun put highlights in your hair And I stay there In the memory Without the sting of reality to think can I be where I'm at and not think of you the infrastructure developing will it always be the same to me in the city in the city
All right, welcome to the show. Patrick here, glad you're with us. This is our Nashville episode, and you just heard a song from the band called Pacific, and we had their lead singer-songwriter of the band Pacific, Will, come in and give us a song. We're going to hear a song from him again at the end of this episode. But yeah, welcome to the Nashville episode. That, where, by the way, that song was is a new song that's not out yet, is what he was saying. Yeah. Um, it's called This City. So he said it was coming out at the end of the summer, I think. That's right. So be looking out for that. We'll, we'll put a link or something to his Spotify artist page or Apple Music artist page or whatever um, in the description, I guess. Sorry, I did your job there for you. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at another part of what you said. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's just make it public now. I'm no longer a subscriber of Spotify. <laughs> Quit hating me for it, everyone. I'm subscribed to Apple Music, and I'm on a 90-day free trial for Tidal. <laughs> Not title boxing. That's a different episode. Ti- we'll talk tidal. about why. Yeah, title. Not title, like the boxing. Again, welcome to the natural episode. So glad that you all are joining us. This will be a kind of a fun episode that we'll do occasionally, and we'll bring in local artists and local business folks, and we're going to talk about Nashville. This is where we're located, where the Patrick Show is uh, based out of, and we love this city, so we want to talk about it. Uh, you have in previous weeks heard a pop culture episode, which is kind of more of a broader sense of what's happening in pop culture. But this episode will be talking about all things Nashville. And today we have a special guest besides having the band Pacific. We have Matt Fungafat. Hey, Matt. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was just such a peppy hello. I loved it. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's good. Yeah. So Matt is the uh, one of the owners of Harding House Brewery That's here right. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, CEO is your title there, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so he's he's just one of the guys. He's one of the guys. One of the guys. One of the guys. That is uh, over there over there doing some beautiful work at the Harding House Brewery, which is located in. West Nashville, the nations is what it's called, uh, the part of town. And we'll get to Matt's brewery and what those guys are up to and why you should be going to it here in just a few moments. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about some things happening in Nashville, shall we, guys? Let's do it. So the first uh, thing I want to – there's an article that the Tennessean – uh, published, I guess, when was the article published? Uh, May 31st, 2019. So just here recent, recently, about how there is going to be hot chicken sandwiches in the McDonald's in the UK. It, it There already is. There already is. Yeah, it's here until June 25th. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's actually in town. 
No, 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 no. Sorry. That's the terminology they were using. There's, you know, the hot chicken sandwich is here, but uh, it's in the UK until June 25th. Yeah. And what are the ingredients? I, I, I don't have it pulled up, but the ingredients were, were so interesting to me. So uh, what it looks like is it's basically a just a chicken sandwich with what they call spicy ketchup and smoky cheese. Wait, think about that, guys. Oh, and a cornbread bun. Yeah. What? And what is that about? A cornbread? What are you trying to say, McDonald's? <laughs> what are you trying to say, McDonald's? Partnered with Cracker Barrel or something? <laughs> Which is also a natural local restaurant. <laughs> Started in Lebanon, Tennessee. But yeah, what do you think about these? this kind of... I just wanted to hear you guys take on Nashville hot chicken in general. And even more so, even this weird mcdonald's version of it like matt what's your well one of my favorite things about this article is that they say appropriating the music city name is a part of mcdonald's uk great tastes of america line of menu items yeah what are the other there was some a couple other things on there like south carolina stack (laughs) north or new york stack mississippi stack why is it not the nashville stack like yeah what yeah go ahead before we get real into this and start tearing this part, <clears throat> I, I just want to, I, I want to, if we have any listeners that are really uptight about this, I want to go ahead and clarify. I'm, I personally am not one of those people that wants to claim hot chicken as a Nashville thing. I know there's a lot of people that are like, it's not a Nashville thing, but it's popular in Nashville. Oh, no, no, no. It, it is an actual Nashville thing. But I've heard people say that it's just like a tennessee thing and like a south thing like memphis like i've heard it's been kind of around but i I just want to there's just if there's any haters we're not trying to at you we're not trying to claim it but this is what people people know it as nashville hot chicken so we're going to talk about it in that way oh no no it is no it is in fact there is history especially with princes like it is a nashville thing like that is a that is a that you can trace it back to being that being nashville hot chicken like because buffalo chicken and i've nashville just heard of hot some haters chicken, i've heard of some haters that are like where are they from a, well, let me just bring up their names right now no no <laughs> i didn't say names i said where are they from i'm like I've, i i feel like i've heard Mem- memphis people talking about how it's like a memphis of thing course too. it's not memphis back up we're gonna take the grizz from you <laughs> if you don't be if you don't keep your mouth shut about this. You guys got I'm barbecue. Coming for you. you can have and it. And they barely have that. Yeah, I said it. Hot take. Yeah, Memphis. we need to do a lot of editing on this <laughs> Oh, that just stays in. That Anyways. is in. <laughs> Anyways. I am I am confused, though, because like I think first what we should do is, if we're going to rip this McDonald's meal apart. Well, I'm not saying we have to rip it apart, but I'm interested. We in have it. to. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's like, I feel like we have to define what makes something hot chicken, Nashville hot chicken yep. at least. So like, sure. Because this clearly isn't. So why isn't it like what, what is hot chicken? Yeah. I mean, hot chicken from my understanding in, in a very basic way, it is how you're preparing said chicken. It's not the fact that you're putting a rub or a sauce or a ketchup on the chicken itself. It is the chicken itself, the way that you're preparing it, you're preparing it in a way that is hot. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Is that how you you two understand it? Yeah, because there's dry and, and wet rubs that sure. people do, you know. 
And well, I think I think they also add some of the spiciness to the oil in which they, they fry the chicken, which adds to the spiciness being part of the essence of the chicken itself, not right. necessarily a sauce. Right. It's more than a sauce. It's a, it's it's an, it's a, a seasoning. It's spices. It's all of it involved versus like a buffalo chicken sandwich. It's just a fried chicken sandwich with a buffalo sauce. Yeah, like a, it's dipped. Dipped, right. Right. Yeah. I, what I'm really just like lost about is, I mean, I feel like they, they kind of missed everything with this one. It's like, first of all, like the first Nashville hot chicken product that they decided to do is a sandwich, which I feel like is strange. I mean, I've seen, I, I've had plenty of hot chicken sandwiches, but like, that's not what I'm thinking of when I think of hot chicken. I'm thinking of, you know, like tenders from Prince's or wings or uh, Hattie B's like, you know, like, sorry for all the people that hate on Hattie B's and say that it's not, you know, but like, like sandwich is like, like, yeah. And no more apologizing. No more apologizing, Ben. Look, you don't apologize to anybody. No No more more. apologizing. These are hot takes, (laughs) hot takes on hot chicken. Um, But so the sandwich is a little confusing to me, but also it's literally just a, another one of their products with, a new element added. It's not like sure. a new product. It's the spicy ketchup that's really the product here. And so I'm wondering, <laughs> like, because it's just a chicken sandwich. Otherwise, you know, right. it's exactly it's nothing new. It's not like it's not like uh, when they came out with their barbecue smokehouse burger. It's not that they were like, we've created a new hamburger patty, right? For the barbecue, like they were just like, no, we're just like we're gonna give you these this cool burger. It's the same burger, but it's a different option with barbecue sauce and fried onion strings and all that stuff, right? This is literally like the only thing that's new about it is the spicy ketchup. And I I don't want to speak for McDonald's here, but <laughs> I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. They could have just released spicy ketchup and just let you put it on anything and anything everything you, you want. It. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's and so and going going to even back to just Nashville hot chicken. I think it's great that Nashville has a food yeah. Every kind it's of fun. city that really kind of like becomes this big relevant, you know, Chicago deep dish, yeah, New York style pizza, Memphis barbecue, as we mentioned before, you know, um, the West Coast are in, in California known for in and out burger, you know, so it's like clam all chowder of, on the East Coast, clam chowder, right? So it's like, it's kind of, it's great that we have that. And, and so for those that like you were saying earlier, who are trying to say, oh, it is actually here and it's over here too. It's like, okay, like they're not saying you don't have any claim on, like it's tough to someone to solely claim any particular food as theirs. I mean, because there's in and out type burgers in Nashville and there's clam chowder, you know, there's chowder everywhere. There's pizza everywhere. And so it's like, I don't know. I mean, like it's, but it's kind of neat to kind of connect a food with a particular city. I do think it's interesting that like this Nashville hot chicken thing has taken off like it has in McDonald's. I know KFC did a thing a while back mm-hmm. with Nashville hot chicken. I don't know, Matt, what's your, what do you have any kind of takes on just the Nashville hot chicken in general? Yeah, I was going to say, I think an, an, an important element that we're missing here is the perspective of place. Right. So I think like, 
When I go to a Nashville hot chicken restaurant such as Bolton's or Prince's or Hattie B's, all of them, like there's this sense of place and like this is the location in which it was created. And you miss that element when you take it outside of its place. Right. Yeah, that's right. And there's just a certain, there's a certain way that it's done here that it can be replicated elsewhere, but similar to, I mean, I, I think of like, um, like places like New York that have um, all their food, like the Philly cheesesteak. Oh, yeah, Philly Philly cheesesteak in Philadelphia. And then um, Chicago with their pizza. Like you can do Chicago-style pizza here, but it's not the same as going to Chicago, waiting two hours for your pizza, and then eating it. Like there's there's something that's missing about the place that is part of Nashville hot chicken. That is so true. Because even with the, and it relates to Philly cheesesteaks, like, other restaurants in the country try to do a Philly cheesesteak and it all it's never I'm like ah, it's just not like the Philly cheesesteak I had in Philadelphia yeah right. and and if you want to get like really scientific about it I remember there was there used to be a show called uh, Food Detectives on mm-hmm. the Food Network where they like it was that sounds awesome it was the Food Network Mythbusters and there's probably oh, other shows nice. like it at this point but this one was like the first one I had seen of it, it was the guy who hosts Chopped he did the show. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So they did a, they wanted to like, just like figure out the myth of who had the best pizza in America. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, like everybody has different opinions. So what they did was they basically created a definition for pizza, you know, like right. it's dough, cheese, and tomato sauce, like that at its basic, you know. So what is the one ingredient that's inherently different about the three big locations, LA, Chicago, and New York. Like what's the one that's like totally different if they're all getting the same cheese from Italy, you know, like all the same flour from, you know, and it's the water source is what they found. And so they did a blind taste test with like pizza fanatics and like each pizza was the exact same. The one difference in the ingredients was water from the different cities. And I don't remember who won, but there was a clear winner and like it wasn't like people just like oh this kind of tastes like right. there's a clear winner and they realized the water source had to do with it so i think you know the point of that is to say like nashville chicken like there is something about these families that have started these restaurants that are like it's their stuff that they're cooking it with like it's it's their recipe it's like their ingredients from these people that they're getting you know like that that's also part of it like how like that's why it's nashville hot chicken um it's yeah. not just like you know a a back of the box cookie recipe. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. That's good. That's really good. So connected to this is that will lead us to another chicken related Nashville thing is uh, there's a new Chick-fil-A on 8th Avenue, which is not far from where we're, where, uh, we're recording right now. And it's a drive through only Chick-fil-A. And oddly enough, it's kind of the uh, a, a new buzz, which is, Weird that like a big chain like Chick Fil A has created a new newish buzz in the city. Yeah, like what's up with that? Well, Patrick, us white people, we love our Chick Fil A. You know that. <laughs> you do. Uh, it's, it, it is very tasty. I mean, so I I live in in that neighborhood, and I know it's like a buzz for us because that area in particular the the melrose area as we like to call it on 8th avenue is it's a it's becoming pretty congested oh yeah um and 
it's it's a road that's been there for a while yeah but everything that's there now has not been there for a while so the road hasn't been designed for what's there that's right this is a chick-fil-a and like i'm pretty sure any listeners living anywhere know that chick-fil-a like incoming traffic into a chick-fil-a it's crazy most chick-fil-a's are usually like in a mall complex like like it's a separate building but like you know there's like a there's like a whole nother thing you go into before you get this this chick-fil-a is on a main highway with no traffic light was on a a highway it's basically a highway it's a main corridor to the city like sure it 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 is the gateway from south of town it is in some ways you're you both are exactly right melrose area on eighth avenue here in nashville is the middle point it's the middle point for south like brentwood franklin nashville and like the city like downtown Nashville. The, the, there's the and East Nashville and there's now the circle for Korean vets and and like going up towards Broadway. Like it, it like eighth connects yeah, like you said, like it connects Brentwood to to the music city. I mean, yeah, it goes event center. It know? goes all the way to Franklin. Like eighth I knew yeah. dead dead ends in Franklin, Tennessee, and in and in the other end is in downtown Nashville. And so it changes names uh, uh maybe once it's maybe Frank, twice. Franklin and Eighth, pretty yeah. much. Uh, but that's uh, you're exact. It is a it is a major it is a major road in our city. So sure. I driving. I I mean I drive on that road almost every day, and since it's opened, I guess as we're recording this episode, I think it's been open for probably like two or three weeks now. Yeah. Um, I've seen a cop directing traffic outside of it at all times that I've driven by it. Yeah. I think in the peak the peak hours they'll, they'll have a officer helping direct direct traffic. Then when it settles down they yeah they don't need one. But yeah, so Matt, what do you what's your take on this new Chick Fil A in in Nashville? I mean, and I guess it's another because before like I guess Nashville we really didn't have any proper Chick Fil A's in the city, and now we've got several now. But yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I haven't been over there yet, but I I was over there before, and there was definitely already a lot of congestion there to begin with so i can only imagine that chick-fil-a that has lines for its lines <laughs> that it can only get yeah i can't even really imagine the type of congestion that it has and i i don't know if there's a plan in place for how to manage it but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be something well no I mean, uh, it, it does help though that it, it i don't know if you mentioned this earlier but it is it's drive-through only but they also have like a walk-up walk up. like outdoor that's right area so like people aren't staying there for long. It's kind of like you're coming right in and out. Um, but the other thing that is interesting about this is there the reason why they put this one here and design it like this is because the majority of the building space is kitchen. Um, because I don't know if you know this, it's the it's now the central hub for Nashville Chick Fil A catering. So all of Chick-fil-A's catering comes from this location now. Oh. So all the other locations are just restaurants now. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure about that. If not, this is like the main hub. Main hub. Um, so like that's why it's like a Chick-fil-A-sized building, but there's no seating in there, and that's because it's like twice the size of, of a normal Chick-fil-A kitchen because um, they're doing tons they're of catering more there. catering there. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting... Um, I I love it. I love what I see happening on Eighth Avenue, um, and it's similar to other cities that are experiencing new restaurants and growth. Like even on that very road, 
up the up the street just a little bit, they're going to be building a new Publix uh, grocery store, yeah, really which is across the street from the Hattie B's, yeah. which is going to be wonderful. And here's why it's wonderful. Wonderful, A, for the residents who live there, there's another grocery store option um, for those that are, there's another restaurant option, right? But what that does, too, is that it creates more jobs for people. Like not, you know, we've got other big industries that are coming to Nashville, but we still need jobs for people who are like the teenager, who are just, you know, who are just trying to get themselves back on their feet and get back into kind of the workforce. So having two, these two companies that, you know, create really nice and great environments for their employees is pretty, is pretty great, you know. Versus some other companies that are kind of existing in our country that may not be the best for how they treat their employees. These two places are have a I would I from what I understand a pretty good reputation for how they treat um, their employees, which is kind of kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I kind of like that. Uh, anything else on the Chick Fil A or hot chicken, Matt? You got anything else to add to that? I mean, I I would be curious to see what happens to some of the other fast food restaurants off 8th Avenue in its area. Like there's a McDonald's over there. There's a Fat mm-hmm. Moe's, which is kind of like a more local chain. Yeah. And then there's the Athens Greek place, which is also right over there. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see those places still um, survive with uh, the people that are already patrons there, you know, taking care of the existing areas. But it's... it's uh, Chick-fil-A is a monster and like a big company. They're a great company for sure. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how all of that plays out in that location. Which is a great segue to our next topic, which is the opening and closing of all of these uh, restaurants in our city. And, and it's even a larger kind of conversation about uh, new new Nashville, which is kind of the, the hashtag, the buzzword. <laughs> And there have been some pretty epic main, like, stays that have been around for a while that have closed down. And and it makes you wonder about your Fat Mo's, your, which is a burger restaurant, your Athens Grill, which is more, it kind of has, like, a more of a local family diner feel to it. Like, it, it puts in danger these kind of eclectic, uh, local restaurants become in danger when the shiny, well-funded, mass-produced restaurant or business, whether it's in retail or whatever, moves into town and demolishes your local, your favorite local spot. So I'm interested. You guys have both have you both have lived here for a while at this point. What's been your as you've seen this new Nashville kind of rise what's kind of been your 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 feelings about it how do you feel about all that uh man uh, i think i'm indifferent about it um i enjoy it and i i feel like i experience benefits from it i i do enjoy eating at new restaurants and always i, I think new is fun and exciting um and i also personally think New businesses are always good. If you can, if you can innovate on something, that's that's great and that's super cool. Um, the the thing that that's 
tricky and interesting is like longevity. Um, like how long is an innovative idea innovated? Innovative. Like how long is Flipside a cool idea? You know what I mean? Like um, no comment. <laughs> but you know, it's just like when that happened, that was like, oh, that's really interesting. It's like this one chicken dish served like eighteen different ways. Yeah. But how long is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I I enjoy it, but also it is weird to see establishments that have been there for a long time close, and um, sometimes it feels like people get bullied out of their business. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I'm indifferent. I see. I see the good and the bad in it, but I will say, growing up in an area like Brentwood. It's just nice to have spent the last four years living in an area that doesn't have what I like to call fake local restaurants. Right. Um, right. That's, that's good. So I just like the fact that there's real local places now. Yeah. Matt, what's your take on New Nashville? Being a being a part of it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have I have a pretty, I'm going to guess is an unpopular opinion, but as a business owner, I'm I take the perspective of um like it's it's a the the economy runs the business and as a when you're running a business you need to be able to adapt to the market and so as nashville grows and becomes much a much larger city i think the smaller places need to recognize that and take advantage of the opportunity that they have to capitalize on the audience that they've already built and try and utilize some of the oh, what's the word for it some of the some of the loyalty that yeah, they can okay, yeah. that they can use and use that to their advantage and not necessarily let the newer places run them over obviously some of the newer places have much bigger like capital funding and there's only so much you can do but i think i i do i am sad for a lot of the local staples that are closing um but at the same time, I think there's also opportunity for some of the other local staples to capitalize on the fact that they are a local staple and start using that as a competitive advantage over the newer places. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and here's the reality, right? Is that you're a business owner, and when the restaurant, when the old restaurant closes, what you end up, what you end up seeing, is that. They made a dollars and cents decision. Yep. They made a simple dollars and cents decision because they have a prime location, most likely because they've been in a said spot for a long time. Company X shows up and says, we'll pay you X amount of dollars to buy this space. And if you own the space and own this, this thing, you're like, well... I can make a lot of money right now and be done with this thing and do something new or something else, or I can stay here and still do this grind and do this thing and provide this service and probably be okay, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the lump sum right now. Right. And yeah, and I, I don't and I think that that can be somewhat disheartening for some people to hear is that your establishment whether it's a retail spot or a restaurant is just as potentially selfish as you are 
Well, it's like <laughs> running a business is not easy. So when someone no. presents you an opportunity to like get out essentially and like, like like realize the like final value of something that you've created, right? It can be enticing. Um, but I would encourage all of you that are listening, if you patron places that are local, that you should like really encourage not only the workers there, but try and reach out to the owners and say like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Like keep it going because I want to continue going here 10 years from now. Yeah. And I think that's, I think the important piece is that when, when an old restaurant closes or an old retail spot closes or an old bowling alley or whatever closes, when you say, Oh man, I I hate that that closed. Well, friend, you are part of the reason that it closed because you weren't, showing up with your friends, with your family to frequent set spot. So those owners and, and board or whoever is running the thing and says, look, this is, this is our reality. And now we have to make a choice mm-hmm. to either adapt and change some things up and probably get more money from the bank or we shut down and cut our losses and venture into <clears throat> to new areas. I think that, um, the the fascinating part of the transition to New Nashville to me has been it's been interesting to watch how powerful nostalgia is and um, I think that a lot of local businesses should obviously try to retain nostalgia effect for the the like you said like the loyal customers the the people that have been there forever the people that have kept the place going but. I'd be interested in some sort of process of like if if I were in their shoes of like evaluating what is crucial to retain that nostalgia um because like the reality is just as a straight consumer here like I I would rather go to Vui's which is it's a Vietnamese it's a pho but it's like it's totally like California in style like very it's like owned by the same people that own juice bar so it's like it's just a bunch of hipsters really um rather than like some hole in the wall Vietnamese place that has like real traditional like really good pho just because like the experience of sitting outside under lights and like all this stuff like and it's and it's still good food and I think um it'd be really interesting to go through some sort of evaluation process and be like okay well I know people have these like really like beautiful memories of coming to this like gross hole in the wall with like graffiti all over the bathroom walls and like eating this really good food. It's like, Oh, it didn't matter that it was so like such a rundown place. Like the food was awesome. Like what if we got, what if we painted over all the graffiti? What if we made the, you know, like what if we did some things to update and try to adapt, like you were saying with new Nashville, but still had the heart of it that uh, retains that nostalgia effect which is really the food. And what happens is when you, when you have really good food, you attach that taste with your surroundings. And so then the memory like becomes, oh, everything about it was awesome. But really it was the food triggered you to just absorb everything around you. And I think that it, it really doesn't matter like what the restaurant looks like or, or the experience of it, as long as like you're retaining that like good food experience and the good customer yeah. service. So I, I don't yeah. know. And I, 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 as someone who cares a lot about space, I would still say that the, I agree in that the food does make that 
I mean, obviously, like if the burger's not good at Brown's Diner, then I'm not showing up at Brown's Diner, which is a local diner here uh, near Hillsborough Village. But there is something to like if you put Fido, which is another local coffee shop restaurant, if you put it in like a brand new built like space, it's gonna. F- I'm gonna go there because I can still get the same menu items, but it's not gonna feel the same because the space, like there was something, and we yeah. lose something when we, and that's the one downside of New Nashville is that instead of taking old existing buildings that have character and like aesthetics and are, and instead of like trying to just gut them from the out, from the inside and just do a new thing inside and keeping the outside, we're tearing it down and building these boring new spaces. I'm not saying so much have, of that. I'm yeah. just saying like, uh, like for instance, a coffee shop that I won't name that is near and dear to all of us. And we, Patrick and I go to a lot. Um, like what would it hurt to get some new tables that function correctly? You know what I mean? Like Ooh, I, child, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying necessarily like, like build a new building, but I'm just saying like, there's certain oh, things that like, yes, like, yes, I understand the Fido thing, but also at the same time, your answer to that in particular situation, I'm not saying this works for everything, but <laughs> your answer to that is Finwick's. You know what I mean? Like that's Finwick's. Finwick's is in just a newer building and it's just Fido food. Um, but that's, but that's just to that specific situation. So like I, what I'm saying is like, I wonder how much of nostalgia is crucial oh i i I think it's i think it's huge yeah i'm I'm just kind of talking about but i i have a question for matt i sure i'm I'm curious about this is a dated reference but i'm talking more about the conceptual part of it here what as someone who owns local business now in nashville what do you think of uh i guess a marketing tactic such as like the pokey stop during like the pokemon go craze a few years ago um, cause I know there was a lot of like mixed reviews of like, Oh, this, my favorite restaurant has a pokey stop now and now it's just flooded with teenagers, but like, that's a lot more business for them. You know what I mean? So like, what I, I'm just curious about stuff like that. Yeah. I think there's a couple things I play there. You need to consider what your brand is about and what, what marketing tactics like a pokey stop would do to your brand potentially. But at the end of the day, businesses exist, at least for-profit businesses exist to make money. So if your Pokestop is generating a lot more revenue than without the Pokestop, and it's not hurting your brand to a degree that it would impact your future revenue, um, that could be something that's a great way to get new customers into the door. I'm always looking at lifetime value of customers instead of the immediate impact of something. So if you can bring in teenagers or whatever it would be that are going to patron your business and then they come back time after time even if you don't have a pokey stop there anymore then that marketing campaign would be worthwhile in yeah, my opinion true hmm. so here's my um here's my take and then we're gonna move on um so a lot of people will Wherever city you're listening to this at, you're you're going to experience the thing I'm going to talk about, which is this: a. Um, if if you've lived somewhere for a while, 
close to like eight, ten years. That's a while. Five plus. I'll even back it up. Five plus. The city that you moved to when you first showed up, whenever you showed up, wherever you're at, is not the same city that it is now, no matter what. Right? So I can lament about Jackson's closing, which is a restaurant that was here in Nashville that closed. I can lament about Jackson's closing. Here's what's true about Jackson's. What was one what what was Jackson's at one time? It was a new restaurant. It was new to Nashville. All the places that are existing at one time were the new thing and took the place of something else that was considered old Nashville. It's just that when you showed up, that was the normal in the space that you showed up to. So it's like, this is, this is my Nashville. Yeah, it was. And now they're going to be, you know, we live in Nashville. It's lots of universities. So this fall, they're going to be, Thousands and thousands of brand new freshmen who freshmen who come to Nashville and who will say what? This is Nashville. Mm. This is it. That seems so simple, but I yeah, I've never thought about it like that. And so I I, I get it, because I'm in the boat with with all of you that feel the pain of the newness. But like that's that is that is how it goes. Well, and I think another thing is that the people are equally, if not more important than the businesses themselves. So if we as patrons can bring what the old Nashville is to us into these new places, that can bring significant value to the city as a whole. Because we're not going to stop new businesses starting and old businesses closing. So if we can bring the same mindset that we had with the old businesses and bring them into the new ones then we can preserve some of what was what Nashville was when we first moved here. Yeah. That's good. You know what? Let's we're going to pivot and not really we'll kind of slowly move into this. But let's uh let's talk about the your business. Let's do it. So, you started a brewery mm-hmm. with uh some friends, some friends, yep. And you guys uh it's called Harding House Brewery and it is located like I said in the the nation's area here in Nashville. So kind of, you know, walk us, us, all of us here through the process. Like why, why a brewery? Why even the name? Um, Yeah. Give us the why to what you're doing. Okay. Um, So we'll start with why a brewery, at least for me, is... Whenever I've had some, I've had some very meaningful, intentional conversations over a pint. There's something about beer that allows people to come together and be more true and authentic to who they are. And it, it allows people to be more vulnerable and have more honest conversations with the people they're around. And for me, whenever I was experiencing that, I was thinking to myself, like, this is such an awesome, I guess, product that allows people to to be who they are and remove some of the barriers and some of the facade that we all walk around with. And yeah. 
I wanted to be able to, I guess, contribute to that, to that, um, to that market and be able to say like, Hey, this is something that is good and something that can make people's lives better and grow in relationship with each other. And we can all share a pint, which is to break bread with someone else, which is a sign of peace. And I just love that, that we're able to participate in that community and that industry. Wow. That's great. So the, the name Harding house, like what's that? Yeah. So, um, our main brewer, Nate Underwood, he lived in a house off of Harding place, which is a pretty major road here in Nashville. And him and his buddies would get together and brew at the Harding house. That's just what they called the house. Um, and it has a very nice catch to it. And the name Harding is kind of significant to the city of Nashville and kind of the roots from which all of us have a faith tradition of. Um, so we all decided, or myself and then Nate and Tyler, we all decided like that was the name we wanted to go for. And it's become something much larger than what it originally was. And so, and, and Tyler and I both at one point lived off of Harding Place as well. So it kind of just made sense to keep the name wow. as Harding House. Yeah, that's awesome. So what what would be, if you were to say to someone, what a, you know, when it comes to being an owner of a brewery and trying to do this thing, what are the things that, uh, the misconceptions that people might have? Um, A lot of people think that, I would say, at least for me, like, Owning a brewery sounds like a lot of fun, right? You're making beer right. and drinking beer and like hanging out with friends. Sounds but, like a good time. Yeah. Sounds easy. But brewing is 90% cleaning. If like you have to just constantly clean. Wow. And it's at least our our setup is very manual. So it's it's a lot of hard work to yield the product that we have. So that would be one of the misconceptions is that you kind of can just like push a button and everything does the thing it's supposed to do. Because that's what... I mean, some of the huge breweries, they have those kinds of setups. But for our setup, it's very manual, very labor-intensive, um, and it's hard work. Yeah. So now, is, is the goal of Harding House Brewery as it stands, is it to be in our local grocery stores? Is it to be in, our, in a Chili's bar <laughs> and grill one day? Like, what's the, you know, like, or, or is it just to stay contained to the uh the um the brewery space the the pub house like is it to just to exist as this i guess that's called a micro uh brewery situation like or sure, sure. yeah like is that the goal like what what and i know and maybe it's tough for you to maybe you don't want to let that out the bag just yet but no as I, of today yeah yeah i mean i think chili's is the gold standard for any brewery like if you <laughs> If you haven't made it into a Chili's, like, what are you really have doing? Have you really done it? Yeah. <laughs> have you really done it? <laughs> no. Um, no, for us, we we are very intentional about the ingredients that we use. So we like to say that we're a local brewery, but we also like to say that we're a native brewery. So we want to use ingredients that are native to the region and specifically Nashville. If we can get as close to Nashville as possible, then we can create and add value to the local economies that benefit the community that they exist in. So for instance, we want to source as much grain, as much hops, as much yeast that is local to the city as possible. So for instance, like champagne is called champagne because it's from champagne. Right. So we want to create beer with place, 
a place that for us right now is Nashville. So the goal would be to create a brewery that is bigger than we are right now, but still stays true to the beer with place, creative native beer. And then the way that we expand could take a number, a number of different, sure. a Such number of McDonald's different McDonald's introducing a Hardinghouse beer in U- in the UK. Yes, that's <laughs> called I, Hardinghouse McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I'm, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Chili's first. Chili's first. Yeah, but yeah, and I guess so. You were saying like the what the what expanding could look like could be. So say you you're from. Colorado. So, like, if you wanted to put one in Colorado, you would source from what's available there. Is that right. kind of the idea? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, beer with place is 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 going to be different depending on your place. place, obviously. Yeah. And as Ben was talking about earlier about the water, like that's a huge reason why different styles exist. Is that some styles are more, um, they're they're better with a more volatile, more acidic water, whereas other styles are better with you know just just straight h2o like it it all depends on where you're sourcing your ingredients and your water from it's Mm. a brewing beer is a very very art a very strong art but also a very strong science and it's kind of a cool marriage between the two yeah well yeah and it's and it's another reminder that these two disciplines are not at odds with each other but they actually work very nicely together Mm -hmm. and i think that's the one thing we've been seeing constantly is that science and art and science and really anything like it's just kind of they 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 are they are dance partners these are these things are not at odds with each other they're they're all just dancing together yeah which is pretty cool definitely not mutually exclusive they have to exist together yeah they have to that's right so uh tell us about your brew space like why like, why should we show up? What can we expect when we go to your location here in Nashville? Yeah, so given our brewing philosophy, our our tap list is going to be constantly rotating given the season. So right now we're uh, early summer. So we just we just released a strawberry saison, which it's fantastic. It's we we added um, sixty pounds of strawberries to our beer Whoa. into a classic saison style. So it's just very fruity, a little Ooh. bit of tartness, some of the pepperiness from some of the. Did you bring us some to saison. drink? Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the ball on that one. Ah, <sighs> next time <laughs> you'll have to come to the tap room and try it. Okay, fine. So Fair enough. <laughs> getting to the tap room, we we have a tap room, like Patrick said, in the Nations, mm-hmm. right off of Fifty First. Uh, we have a fantastic patio. Uh, with picnic tables so if you want to enjoy a beer outside it's a great place to do that um and we have large like beer garden-esque tables that you can hang out with friends um it's just a really cool atmosphere it's very unassuming it's very minimal um all are welcome we don't have any kind of presumptions or anything like that we, we want everyone to come yeah and we you can bring your own food too yes we actually encourage everyone to bring their own food um, and we are wow. dog, we're dog friendly. So if you got a dog, bring the dog. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we're probably cat friendly. If you've got a leash, like <laughs> I don't know if people leash their cats, but well, there's cat cafes now, so who knows? Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll be a, a a cat tap room. Maybe uh, maybe some. I don't know how the cafes are doing doing it with yeah. all the cats roaming around. We'll just have to go, I guess. Yeah, I'm down. 
Uh, anything else about the brewery that any any new or things you're working on as far as like a ingredient that you are kind of just in the early stages of or yeah we we did a um or we we just brewed a spelt grain which is just a, using a heritage grain that's no longer grown commercially but some of the farmers are still using it that are um, much smaller and so we're trying to encourage them to continue using a native grain to Nashville because that's mm-hmm. I mean that's what's going to be that's what's going to be best for the environment itself because it's native so we want to continue to encourage them to keep using that grain but we did a spelt grain um, pale ale so that one's going to be that one's going to be interesting that sounds interesting now I, a lot of breweries that I know like have like special nights you know whether it's trivia special trivia or events or music so you've seen I mean how long have y'all been you've been open for how long now uh, about six months six months so in the six months you've been open what's been of your theme nights what's been the one that has been the most exciting to be a part of and you've really enjoyed and you hope to see uh, uh or you're looking forward to having more of those kind of nights does that make sense yeah for sure yeah. Uh, we do a weekly trivia wednesday nights mm-hmm. and that's that's gone over really well we've seen a lot of people come back and hang out so they're enjoying that we do themed trivia on the third thursday of every month so we've done anywhere from star wars to the office um this month we're doing gilmore girls so that'll be interesting. oh nice yeah i'm not gonna do well at that one but <laughs> that's what we're doing that's what we're doing um but i think my favorite or one of my favorite events that we've done was actually just this past weekend Ooh. we did a crawfish boil in partnership that's, with the make a wish foundation that's right and it was really cool to see people come out and support such a great cause and we are so honored to be asked to be a host for that event. Yeah. It was a big turnout, yeah? It was I think a fantastic I saw turnout. Some, saw some photos from it. That's really cool. So that's another core essence of who we want to be as a business is partnering with other businesses that are doing good in the world and wow. being and and just working with them to make to make things happen. Interesting. That's so great. Harding House Brewery. We'll have Come to go check, check it, it out. out. Yeah. It's good. Uh Okay, let's let's move into some music. We got this is Nashville. We got to talk about music. Yeah. So, uh, right now, the time of year that it is that we're recording this is we're in the thick of the CMA uh, Festival Weekend, and then coming up next weekend, <laughs> I believe, is Bonnaroo. And I just wanted to kind of hear you guys' uh, takes on. I mean, if you got to take on CMA, let's hear it. But then. I'm really interested in just who, I don't think any of us are going to Bonnaroo, but I'd be interested to see, based upon the lineup, who you think, man, that's that's going to be a, a really good show. So, uh, Ben, have you got, you've, you've had to experience some CMA, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's your, what's your kind of, what's your kind of take on the CMA, and you can even start us off in Bonnaroo. Well, for, uh, so for those of you who don't know, I I am a Lyft driver, um, and so events like the CMA Fest and and such are usually really good things for us shared ride drivers. Um, but man, I I've just had a really rough experience with CMA Fest this week. I I'm just not um, I'm just not happy with the way it's turned out as a driver. Um, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like 
um, both the city and the companies have planned really well for it, but didn't really collaborate on it. Um, <laughs> and it's made it really difficult. I, I mean, I was driving last night and there were several occasions at like at least five or six times where I'd be making a turn onto a street to go pick somebody up. And in real time, as I'm turning, a cop car pulls up and blocks the street because <laughs> it's, it's this thing that they've started doing in Nashville where they'll block off a street to relieve pressure there in traffic or make it a one way and direct traffic a different direction. And, but the problem is, is with where everything is down there, it's right by the river and there's only so many ways to cross the river. Right. And so I'd miss the turn and I'd have to keep going in traffic and I'd already be across the river and that's pretty far at that point. And yeah. like to get back through that traffic, it, so I'd have to cancel some rides and it was really frustrating, but I mean, it does, it brings a lot of business to Nashville and last night in particular, not to date this episode for when it comes out, but last night in particular, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ariana Grande was also in That's town. right. I was going to say that this so was, <laughs> it was just, it was, and it was just a normal, and it was also just a normal Friday night in on, Nashville on Broadway. Yeah. Right. So I, I literally picked up a group of girls that were here for a bachelorette party and they had no idea Stop that CMA it. Fest was. That's and I was surprising. Like, I was like, how did you not? And they were like, what's even crazier is we booked this stuff like pretty recently and it, we had no trouble doing it. And I'm like, I'm... here's the thing. So it's been crazy. Here's my, here's my thing for people. People, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're going to visit anywhere, anywhere, it's called just a little research. Yeah. What's happening in the town that I'm going to when I'm going to be there? Like, unless you are going to the city or whatever, and your thing is the biggest thing happening, then, okay, maybe you're good. But if you're like, let's just take a quiet weekend to Chicago, and it's the same weekend as Lollapalooza, that's on you, my guy. That's on you. <laughs> yeah. On the contrary, though, in the opposite direction, the people that do know what's going on, um, the one thing that I will say that has really helped improve the whole system of ride sharing and and driving things like that is um i'm pretty sure uber has it. i don't know i i don't i can't i don't you can't drive. speak to yeah it. yeah but lyft <laughs> uh several months ago maybe a year ago at this point now introduced a new feature where you can actually do shared rides yeah that's right um, you can do it on the other ones too i think yeah, yeah. so that has actually been a huge part of things like this because erin sure. agrani is downtown broadway is just always downtown um, Ascend Amphitheater and Nissan Stadium are both CMA Fest all the same night. So Broadway, you know, Bridgestone, Ascend, Nissan, all within like five blocks of each other, right? That's right. Um, everybody's going to the same five block radius. So I had several shared rides yesterday where people were totally fine. They were like, we understand there's so much traffic. Just drop us off wherever. Like yeah. near Broadway, we're yeah. good. We want to walk across the pedestrian bridge to get to Nissan anyway. Like yeah. all the stuff. So it, that feature has really improved a lot but yeah. man the the collaboration between the city and the companies has been interesting yeah it hasn't it hasn't worked yeah yeah and I, and I guess for those of you who have no idea what cma is it's for country music and basically if you know what austin city limits is it's kind of like it but not really it's it's kind of unique in in its in its own way because it's it's all over the city in different venues and different places and there's music there's interactive portions and things you can go to parties and after parties it's, and 
it's just a it's a really interesting yeah. it's style kind of like of a combination event. of Summerfest and South by Southwest. Yeah, there you go. There um, you go. Yeah. In the South by Southwest like, is yeah, that's a good yeah comparison too. But it's it's I haven't been to Summerfest, but uh, based on description, my, my girlfriend is from there, so it it it, it sounds a lot like Summerfest it, it in is, the sense yeah. that it's like. It, there's just more than just concerts happening. Yeah. It's more of like a whole city happening. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Matt, any perspective on CMA? Yeah, I like to treat the CMA Fest kind of like the movie The Purge. I just <laughs> I, I just board up everything, all my windows, all my doors. That makes sense. And if possible, I stay inside yeah. my house because I don't want to deal with the traffic. I don't want to deal with the people. It's hot. It's, just, it's not hot yet. Well, not right now, but... Yeah. Sometimes it is, and it's like most years it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just not trying true. to deal with that. I actually drove Lyft for CMA Fest one time as well. I did one drive and was like, I'm done because I only did one drive and it took like an hour. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is it. like that's the other thing is like they they have this the same rate system, and like it's supposed to be a two mile drive, but it turns into a thirty minute drive, you know, because you're stuck in traffic for so long. So yeah, yeah, cool. Um, All right, CMA. We don't know who's playing because we don't listen to country music that much. <laughs> what? Here's what I find interesting related to CMA, though. It, the, looking at the Bonnaroo lineup, it is just fascinating to see who the headliners are because I, I find that looking at headliners on all the festivals like is kind of a... It's like not really a way to look at who's popular, but it kind of is. And it's just interesting to... Or I guess it's more of... It's a way to look at who the festivals think are popular. Like, well, what and what's your what do you mean by that? Well, I just I just find it fascinating that, like we were saying earlier, like Fish has two sets now. Oh, I, I think, but 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 hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, Fish is the similar to like when Tame Impala that year that we went had the like late night three hour set. Like Fish is one of those bands that just everyone's gonna go see because they're just the festival band and they are popular. But I'm just like according to like pop culture right now, it's just interesting to see them as a headliner. And similarly, I think it's interesting that the Grand Ole Opry is headlining. That just like seems so not Bonnaroo to me at all. Oh, this is, this lineup, the headliners, is the most Bonnaroo that we've, that we've had in a while. Here's why. Bonnaroo started off as... I'm gonna make I'm gonna make an I'm gonna give it something that Bonnaroo has not necessarily tried to try to uh say of itself. But Woodstock ended and there was no more of this like psychedelic jam band kind of music festival type right. things that are happening. Bonnaroo comes on the scene. If you look if you do your if you go and look at old Bonnaroo uh, lineups like bands like Fish that's like the main jam banny it was that that was the that was what Bonnaroo was oh right and I, I totally and, didn't mean to say that I, I was surprised but it, I just I find it interesting to see Fish's name with names like Post Malone yeah and, <laughs> and, I, I, find and I like that because as someone who goes to a lot of festivals why I liked Bonnaroo beginning in the start in the early days or several years ago when I was going because I enjoy jam band people at festivals than I do people who listen to Post Malone. 
like the jam band folks are just super chill. Oh yeah, they just want a hacky and like hula hoop and wave wave a a, a little stick with some yarn on it and just <laughs> do their thing. And you're like, I like the energy you own versus like Post Malone, who's gonna have a bunch of bros in basketball jerseys roaming around drinking all the butt light they can find and like beating their chest yeah like they do i don't know uh, and granted like and, I, and i'm not saying post long post long i like some of his songs he's fine but uh i i do think i i mean and so I, you're saying the kind of random collision of worlds is more in the spirit of bonnaroo Oh yeah. Okay. This is like this, they have they were starting to get into more of this like mainstream heavy mainstream music and they kind of like started to lose some of their like jam band, psychedelic rock, even metal. Like that was a big part of Bonnaroo was that there was always metal music in one of the days in the afternoon there were metal bands that were playing all over Bonnaroo and it was like this weird awesome. this weird collision of and it started to kind of like for a couple of years it was like this is too mainstreamy and I think this is a nice kind of a year of and for those of you that don't know there's Grano Opry Fish Childish Gambino Fish three times by the Fish way Fish three times Post Malone uh, Odessa the Lumineers that's the one that yeah. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Sorry if you're a Lumineers fan, and to the Lumineers if you're listening. I'm excited. I'm not I, a fan of I yours. I wish I could see Odessa. That would be a cool show to see at Bonnaroo. Yeah. I feel like that'd be really fun. Yeah, it would be. Um, Any other, so you guys look at the at the lineup, any other bands you're like, man, I would really enjoy seeing that artist? I think I'd be excited to see The Lonely Island. Oh yeah, like, that would be yeah. really good. That would be awesome. That would be that awesome. Bonnaroo. I, I'm kind of sad that I'm missing. I I just like want to know. I've never really looked at videos or anything like that. But I'd I'd be really curious at what a Solange show looks like. I bet that would be amazing if she shows up. <laughs> um, other bands that I am interested would be interested in seeing the National too. I think that'd be the fun. National are great live. I've seen them before at a Bonnaroo. That was good. Brock Hampton, you know, that would be a fun show to uh, bear witness to. I love Casey Musgraves being in this in this mix. That would be a fun a fun show. Uh Jim James is on this list, which is great. Um oh man. For those of you who are going to Bonnaroo, I highly suggest there's a band called Magic City Hippies that will be there and I I can't find their name on the list, but there's also like 100 names on here. But I'm pretty sure they have a set. But if not, they are doing um, a listening party for their new album, which they have been working on for several years now. <laughs> and that is definitely worth going to. I highly suggest it. They're an incredible band. And additionally to that, there's a, a Nashville band that's playing. They're, they're one of the smaller names on the list, but they're an incredible band called The New Respects. Um, that is a show that you have to see. They're amazing live. Yeah, Music City Hippies is playing. They're playing on Thursday. Magic City Hippies. Magic City. Hippies. Yeah, yes. But the new respects and Magic City Hippies. Highly suggest seeing those sets. Um, but honestly, the the beautiful thing about Bonnaroo is you can kind of wander around and enjoy yourself no matter what. 
it's all it's all really good. So uh, to end this segment, Matt, is there any band that you would tell people to go see if they're going to Bonnaroo? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Casey Mus- Musgraves, like you mentioned. Um, I would be curious to see who this, I don't know how, but they found me. I'd be curious to see how they are, just because I think that's a cool name. I mean, it's, yeah. very, it's very realistic to probably a lot of bands that are out there that yeah. have made it. So that's good. I would be curious to see them. Um, I would say if you're going to Bonnaroo or any festival festival this year, go to the Hobo Johnson yeah. and the Lovemaker show. Wow. You're, you're going to be like, what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, you will have an amazing experience. Period. Yeah. It would be the most entertaining thing you would you would do that day. One of the most entertaining things. And just a little insider advice. I'm sure everybody knows this, but usually every year on Spotify, um, shout out to Spotify again, um, there is a Bonnaroo playlist yeah. that has at least one song from every artist that's in the lineup, but a lot of times they'll include a couple songs from the headliners and stuff like that, but that's always a good way to prepare yeah. and look for stuff that you don't know you like that you want to go see. Yeah. Um so so uh this is good. Let's uh let's end our time maybe with Matt share with us uh three oh for nope before I do that. Matt karaoke go to song. Ooh. Um probably say it ain't so by Weezer. Yeah, nice. Or take it easy by the Eagles. Oh, good picks. And then give me three bands artists that really resonate with you that you love that have been inspiration for you and your work life yeah um number one sarah Bareilles. she's easily my favorite artist of all time i think she just writes very vulnerable music and she has an amazing voice sarah Bareilles. i do love sarah Bareilles. um she's coming to nashville soon so i'm pumped for that you got tickets (laughs) not yet but i will okay two working on it Oh gosh, two. Um, I was listening to a day to remember on my way over here. <laughs> I still love, I love hardcore music. I love that you're still into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I listen to Cerebrellis and hardcore music. Yeah, it's pretty normal. Combo. Pretty normal. Yeah. Um, number three. Yeah. Anybody? Jimmy Eat World. Nice. Love Jimmy Eat World. They're coming to Nashville soon. I'll have to get tickets for that as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any book recs? Any book recommendation? Oh gosh! Some uh, just a uh, book you think? Oh, this is a great book. You should check it out. You should read it. Um, books. You're really calling me out here. I know. Um, this I, is what I do. I I like reading. Uh, what's it? Uh, Richard Rohr. I read. Um, what's what's the one where he um talks about the found like the Trinity pouring into itself? Oh, um. Uh, the Divine Dance. Yes, The Divine Dance. That's the most recent one I've read, and that one is pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I like it. Matt, thank you. Benjamin, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we got one more song. And then we have a song. Yeah. yeah. You want to kick, you want to kind of say a little bit about our Pacific before we get out of here? Yeah. So once again, uh, Pacific is our artist for today's episode and uh, local band and their front man, Will, was here with us today. And uh, this next song that you'll hear is called W-Y-A-F. It stands for 
Where You Are Forever. Um, it is out and available on all streaming platforms. And uh, the first song, once again, that was called This City. And that will be available soon. So that was a single debut I know. on the Patrick podcast. What a fun thing. Um, but yeah, so that's, that. you'll be hearing WYAF from Pacific next. All right. Peace. See ya. I wanna be in your arms forever.
dream I'm never waking up, no I'm not Hey, you're a dream I'm never waking up, no I'm not, not, not